everybody and welcome to another edition of the Canadian Premier League Newsroom Podcast. I am Christian Jack and as usual joined by my team of correspondents as we break down an action-packed weekend in the Canadian Premier League. But it has been a very special week for Canadian soccer and so to honour that a little bit before we break down the games. In honour of Drake and Davies getting together this week. Team, if you could meet one musician in the world, who would it be? Who should we start with this week? Uh, let's go with Marty Thompson. Uh, nice. Good evening to you. How's things going, pal? What would the answers be for this one? I'm doing pretty good. Can we start with Charlie first? Because I want to know which Gallagher it is. Oh, um, man. <laughs> no, let's go with you, Marty. That's the reason why I went with you first. <laughs> okay, uh, I was, I'll go earnest with this one. Paul Westerberger, The Replacements. Uh, I'm not sure if you would all That's know. That's such a Marty there. answer. Oh, my God. Replacements <laughs> rock. I went dude. with him. That's why I went with rock. him. Well, no, a, a real Marty answer, Charlie, would have been like someone from a Canadian band, and I decided not to do that. So I'll go Paul yeah. Westerberg. The book's okay. fantastic. If you uh, if if you like that band and how they pick up, recommend Char- picking up the book. Charlie, you can wait a second. Uh, Benedict Rhodes, good evening. What's your answer, my friend? Yeah, Marty didn't go with a Canadian musician, so I'm going to go with someone who grew up in Canada. Uh, one of the best lyricists of our time. Uh, lyrics as... Little Achilles injury. It's all Gucci. Still Uh-oh. chef cooking with the hands Carducci. Uh, so I'm going to go with Elijah <laughs> from Calgary FC. That's right. That song was awesome. Yes. Yes. You could meet him pretty easily, actually. Amazing. Probably. Just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. I, I also love that my screen, I don't know if it's yours, but Charlie is frozen on an incredible laugh. <laughs> yes. Uh, and now he's back. Oh, no, but he's Charlie's back. laugh froze for a bit, just for everybody else's pleasure. Oh, uh, no. It's just even better. So you could just like screen grab that laugh, and Marty will definitely use that again in future uh, social media posts without question. Uh, right, Emily yeah. Wilson, good evening. Oh, Fresh oh, off boy. a busy weekend for you as well. Uh, what's your answer to this question? Uh, I had to think a lot for this one, but I think I'm going to go with Cher. I just think she Whoa, is an icon. Wow. That answer is kind of out of left field, but uh, that's that's who I'll pick tonight. No, she rocks. Wow, there you go. All right, we've left the best yeah. for last. We know he's ready. Charlie O'Connor Clark, which one are you going with? Yeah, it's it's definitely Liam Gallagher. 100%. Yeah, okay, it seems good. like All it's right. much, more, much more fun to hang out with. Why would you ever pick Noel, you know? I, that's well, no, that you might actually get longer with Noel. Like I Liam think probably like a guy that would you would be able to keep up with or like would care yeah. about hanging out with you. Like Noel might be a little <laughs> bit more reasonable to keep you under his wing. Yeah, maybe Noel seems a little bit more a uh, little, little bit snobbier sometimes yeah. as well. So did I have a, I, don't I, I don't know if today's the place, but I could tell you my Noel Gallagher story one day when I interviewed Noel Gallagher, right? You guys remember this? Yes. The, the, no. Live on TSN, I interviewed Noel Gallagher live on our Premier League coverage. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. All right. Let's let's throw it in now. I'm <laughs> yeah, gonna tell yeah. you the story. So right. we got we get now we get Noel Gallagher live on we get a, a, a contacts at Sony to say Noel's in town. I go see him the night before. Uh, no, actually, he was played Sunday night, Monday night. I'm going to go see him, yeah, m- Sunday night. And then I interview him live from a downtown hotel Monday in the Premier League. We were originally just going to bring him on as a guest, and we were going to do it from the studio. Jason, DeVos, myself, and Luke Wowman. And I was like, we cannot do that. We need a presence with this guy. So <laughs> yeah. we can't just stick an, stick an yeah. earpiece in and let him talk. So they decide to send me down. And then right. for some reason, they decide to do it live. And not taped to live. Like we all know in the industry, you, oh. can, fake, you can fake it, right? And yeah. so people think it's live, but no, no, we went live and it was two segments. And so as I'm about to go to do the interview with Noel Gallagher, my executive producer calls me up and goes, You have to tell him not to swear. I was gonna say, uh oh. <laughs> oh no. So, they, so okay, so that, that so, like, makes it seem to... like 
Yeah. That makes it seem like they knew who he was and that he Oh, yeah, they knew what it, Yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. So, yeah. Why do so Noel comes in, and I'm expecting the entourage. Noel comes in. It's like one thirty in the afternoon, and he was great with me, and he just kind of got woken up, whatever. He, he, he hence is I've got the Northern accent. He thinks I'm a Man United fan. I calm him down with I'm not a Man United fan. <laughs> so he's fine with that. We're chatting away and everything. And, like, and then I make the decision that I'm not going to tell him. I'm not going to tell him. I'm just going to wing this and hope that he understands that it's live. And so we had two great banter segments. It went brilliant and it was done. Massive collective sigh of relief. Great, great. It was brilliant. A brilliant interview, one of the highlights of my career. And then it was done and we stopped. And then he taped, a, taped an interview with Michael Landsberg of Off the Record that was to come later. Just as it started taping, you name the swear word, he said it. <laughs> he said, it. You, you want to name the word? It doesn't matter if it's a four-letter word, an eight-letter word, beginning with C, beginning with S. It was all in there. And I was like, this guy is a real pro. He knew I was live. He knew the next one was taped. He knew that they could bleep it out. And I was like, whew. That's that amazing. No Gallagher yes. on live on TSN's coverage. Of That's Premier an A-plus story. That's yeah, fantastic. Anyway, how do we carry on from that? All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's, anyway, from Noel Gallagher to Calgary. All uh, right. As we break down Cavalry nil, <laughs> Halifax nil. Uh, what's the story of morning glory going on with Tommy Wilder <laughs> Jr.'s team right now? Because they can't score goals. And Charlie O'Connor-Clark, our man himself, our Oasis brother himself, was breaking down this game. How in the world... Did Cavalry not win this game, Charlie? That's the first question. That was my main question as well. I, It almost seems like a crime that they didn't win because they had so many unbelievable chances in the second half, especially when you know, they, they started not great. They are being pinned back a little. I think they had like 40% possession, which is really weird for Cavalry. But then in the second half, they come out, they bring Mo Farsi on, they bring Sergio Camargo on, they bring Joe Mason on, and immediately... You know, every time they have the ball, they're immediately in the box. They've got this great chance, and you're like, okay, here it is. And then uh, they either sky it or Sergio Camargo chooses to make an inexplicable pass across oh, goal when he's right in front of it. That was too, by the way. Oh, Just that was up. that was. Uh, we were robbed of one of the goals of the season. We were there, yep. and I mean, just it just. I don't know what it was. I don't know what kind of you know bad luck Cavalry had today. They the ball just wouldn't go in the net. The finishing was just just atrocious Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. they did everything else right. Yeah, and so they build up, they build up. Halifax really don't have a lot of chances. 14 shots to six. Shots to six. Mason came on and was definitely lively. We'll get to him in a second mm-hmm. with more with our correspondent, Charlie, in a second. It looks like it's going to be nil-nil. Cavalry awarded a corner deep into injury time, the 93rd minute. Ball comes in and just hits Eric Santos's hand easily a penalty cavalry go okay here we go our second penalty of the season uh they were clamoring for penalties all year long tommy wilden jr asking why they've not got more penalties as we said last time on the show be careful what you wish for they got one and camargo missed they get number two and mason missed quickly around the room as joe mason stepped up on the penalty spot anybody believe he was going to not score benedict i don't think so yep, goal to finish like that emily I didn't think he was going to finish it. Really? No. You thought he was going to miss? Yeah. Oh, well, hey, you're the smartest one in the room. Why? <laughs> oh, I didn't, I didn't think he was going to score either. Kieran I Baskin thought... had his has had his nice Steph Labay face going too. I was like, oh, he's not scoring this. 
you you knew too. Good for you. Oh, yeah. I thought it was a banker. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Mason was stepping up. <laughs> if you watched it, Santos gets the ball, hands the ball, and literally two seconds after he's handled the ball, the ball is being handled by Mason. I've never yeah, seen yeah, the guy grab a ball as quickly as possible, yeah. and he was ready to take it. Like yeah. no one had even moved out the box. But it was also <laughs> one of those beautiful penalty moments where absolutely nobody argued with the referee. Mm-hmm. Have you ever noticed that we never get those mm-hmm. moments anymore? Like Santos, it hit his hand, and the Halifax players just looked at him and went. <laughs> Well, yeah. we can't even argue that case. Just walked yeah. out. So let's get to it. Stonewall. Mason steps up and then basket with just an amazing save, Charlie. Uh, and then also a save that didn't even get palmed back, just went wide. It was a yeah. brilliant opportunity. And they, and they kept it out. Your, your observation, Charlie, on the penalty, did he hit it well? What did you think? I think he did. I think it was actually a really good save because mm. he, got, he got it close enough to the post. It was off the ground. Um, and, and usually... That seem, I mean, sometimes if it's in that spot because it's not on the ground, it's not in the corner, it's in that sort of middle area, which maybe is easier to dive towards. But I think it was a good hit. I think it was just a really well, well read save. You know, Kieran Basket after the game, we asked him about it, you know, right. what, what he saw. And he said, Yeah, I read Joe Mason's body language and figured that he was probably going to go that way. So I guessed right, which isn't something that you usually hear from a goalkeeper when they save a penalty. Right. A lot of the time, they'll just be. Yeah, I don't know. I guessed. I had a gut feeling, and it was right. But he said that he kind of had a, a bit of a read on on the situation, and maybe that is to do with how quickly Joe Mason set it up and wanted to go so quickly. Maybe he was just staring at that spot the whole time. But yeah, I felt like maybe it was partly my fault because I had started the rewrite of the match report. Oh, did you? Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Classic. Yeah, Joe I started... Mason wins it for Cavalry yeah. in the ninety third minute. You've written it down. <laughs> I was so ready. I was so ready because it was going to be like this final breakthrough after they had so many chances, and it would have been, you know, justice. Yeah, in a sense, yeah. but no, it was <laughs> it was not to be. Cavalry could have gone top on the boot of Joe Mason, their main man up front, but they didn't. We'll get to Pacific later, but the the standings ramifications are this. Cavalry second, one point back of Pacific with four games to play. Forge, one point back of Cavalry with two games in hand, six games to play. Cavalry, 41 points from 24. Pacific, 42 from 24. Forge, 40 points from 22. Uh, I'm all in for Oasis references throughout the show, so I'm going to say this. Tommy Wilden Jr. probably said to his team afterwards, some might say we'll find a brighter day. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, (laughs) you know. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah, this this is a team that probably would have said we played well enough, Charlie, you know, in this point. I mean, and if Mason's going to start playing regularly, I think we saw when he came on that the quality of chances they're creating Pacific at home, Valor away, Pacific at home, Forge away with a run-in, that they've still got a chance here for number one, no? Yeah, I, I think that they absolutely do, you know, especially just having so many games at home left. And they're, you know, they, they played really well on, on Thursday in that game against York, where they kind of had to pull it out after everything went wrong in the first half. And I thought sort of thought that that game might be maybe the moment that galvanizes them, right. you know, where they... they concede in the fifth minute against York. They lose their captain to injury. Joe DiChiara gets a red card before halftime, and then they still found a way to win. I This team does have that gear in them where they can you know, pull it out. And as I said, I don't think they really did much wrong in this game it, except for the finishing, especially once they made some changes at halftime after, after they maybe weren't happy with the first half. They made some changes. They made some substitutions, and they were dominant, really. 
for a lot of stretches of that game. And yeah, at that point, if you're a coach, you kind of just shake your head because you're like, I don't really know what else we could have done. Exactly. Where did it all go wrong? On the penalty spot right there. That's where it went wrong. <laughs> um, if your ca- cavalry probably won the game, you mentioned it on Thursday, and certainly most people would say they didn't deserve to win the game. <laughs> Yet here they are getting a game where they didn't win the game and they probably did deserve to win the game. That That's football. Yeah. Um, Marty, your thoughts on cavalry and, and um, should we be concerned that, again, they aren't able to convert as many chances that they should be and be efficient because this is a theme throughout this season with these guys. All right, we've gone this far without mentioning Anthony Novak, whose nickname in the Calvary dressing room is Champagne Super Novak. Should just get go. that out of the way. Is it? It's a Tommy Wilden Jr. Jr. Era ism. So I, I think just, we're uh, also up to four Oasis songs in the last three minutes, which is great for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. uh, not not too worried on Calvary just because they're going to get healthier real quick. I mean, the the, the right. like we just saw we had mm-hmm. Tom Field was back there today. You obviously mentioned Joe Mason, just like an incredible half from him they're just going to keep getting healthier and they're keep going to get sharper and sharper and tommy always wanted to get them to hit that apex and and i don't know i like as as much as like you, you just kind of touched on there christian like this is a game they should have won and in, in, in the york game like i don't know i still feel like there's a bit of an effort trajectory with this team I, I just gotta roll with it love it there we go there we go <laughs> What about Halifax? Uh, Benedict, let's turn to you on these guys first, and I'll get Charlie back as he gets his Oasis song list put up on Google if he needs it. I don't know if he needs it. probably doesn't. Uh, this is a team who, by the way, if, you, if you're a Halifax fan, you better watch until final whistle. The amount of action this season, I'm not going to go through it right now, um, but the amount of action this season that continues to pick with this team on, on 90th minute and beyond is ludicrous they probably had more 90 minute plus things combined than anybody else in the entire league uh benedict they dug deep no morelli they get a point york didn't necessarily have a good week at all um and i think they've lost one in 17 now the wanderers uh an upward trajectory and a point again that they figure figure out they'll just put in the back pocket and fly home with yeah no definitely happy with an away point i think and you mentioned i think one it's one loss in 17 games is obviously nothing to scoff at and um, I imagine they definitely won't be looking back in anger at, uh, at that game. Think of the Wanderers. This was a performance that I thought they played well in the first half. Again, without their main man, Morelli. Rampersad came back and obviously was very good in midfield. Lamoth played really well as well. Uh, this is a team that is looking really difficult to beat. No, <laughs> they hang around, and if they get in that four, then a team who hosts them are going to be favorite. But you look at this record and you think, how can we break this team down? They stick around and they've got that resilience that we saw last year in 2020. Two ways to look at it, right? They're, they're, they're hard to beat. But at the same time, we look back to that Pacific game. They won at Wanderers Grounds. That was a massive, you know, frankly, a turning point in their season. Mm. And they get their goal off of uh, uh, Abu Samaki back heel into his own net, essentially. <laughs> and it was, it was one of those things where it, they just, it's, I mean, it's really been a theme with this team outside of Morelli, and it will continue to be just failing to score. I think that's really going to be the issue here, Christian. I can't look past that. I can't look past no, that. It's, fair. it's yeah. fair. What was the mood, Charlie, after the game in the camp? And uh, any updates on Morelli? What, what was the overall feeling from Stephen Hart? Yeah, it wasn't necessarily too unhappy. And, uh, you know, just on, in terms of Morelli, I know that he didn't even travel with them to Halifax. So I think he's still a little bit away. But I do think that they have a week before they play again. So I think the idea is that he should be ready to go by then. And and I think they'll probably absolutely need him. Uh, But just more from a general perspective for Halifax, they weren't too upset after this game. You know, they kind of understood 
that they saw how that second half went and they're pretty happy to come out of that with a point. Uh, and I think now they've played eight games away from home since the bubble. They've drawn six of them and they've only lost one, which is mm-hmm. in in the Canadian Premier League. That's not bad. No, that's, no. that's not bad, especially considering the 2019 Wanderers who were just awful on the road. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, no so that is that is a bit. And I guess that's the last time that they would have any proper away form. But yeah, they they felt really good about how this game started because they really were on the front foot for long stretches of that game. But then as they got towards the end, they really were pinned back. Stephen Hart talked about how, you know, Stefan Karajovanovic seemed to be doing everything for them and everybody else was just kind of kind of just there <laughs> at right. times in the last few minutes. You know, he he mentioned that Karajovanovic got up the sideline quite a few times but was never able to put a cross in because there was just nobody in the box. Right. And so I think they were definitely just kind of gassed at the end of this game. Just did not didn't really have the energy to to go shot for shot with cavalry. And I, I mean, I think Cavalry is definitely a deeper team and they, they have, you know, more options to come off the bench and change the game like that. And Halifax just couldn't quite keep up with the tempo of the game towards the end of it there. Yeah, I think if we have to put it in perspective, we're not kidding around here. Like if they get in, the team who plays first will want to play them rather than, a, than one of the other two teams. No question yeah. about it. Yeah. But they yeah. are a scary opposition because, look, you, you mentioned it, they don't score many goals, 26 in 24, uh, but they can stick around as well. Uh, and for a team that hasn't had a goal scorer all year, the fact that they can make it into the playoffs, uh, wow, look out for them. They may not still make it. They are fourth right now, 33 points from 24, just one point ahead of York with four games to go. To come for Halifax, Forge at home on Saturday, Valor away, Forge away, and they end with Ottawa at home. York to come, Ottawa away, Pacific away, Forge back-to-back games at home as well, stretched out a little bit. Talking of York, what a disappointing week it has been for them. After should have beaten Calgary in midweek on Thursday night, they perhaps should have beaten Alberta again this week on Sunday against <laughs> FC Edmonton. Jordan Faria got an equaliser in the 53rd minute from a second phase of a set piece when he blasted it home after Easton and Garo had blasted it in the net the other way. His 11th goal of the season in the 47th minute. Two goals in six second half minutes was all it took for these teams to share the points. Benedict, you are our man on this. Uh, no other way to look at this despite the performance of either team to say the significant story out of this is two more drop points for York and Jim Brennan. Yeah, definitely. And, and also two more players missing the next couple of games as well with Didi and and Jordan Wilson both getting eighth yellow cards in this one. And uh, I think uh, Jimmy Brennan is definitely the, the more disappointed of the two managers and, and the players as well. Uh, Max Ferrari spoke after the game about how it was a disappointing result and they need to bounce back against Ottawa next weekend. And uh, yeah, definitely uh, two, two draw points rather than one gain for York. That game next week in Ottawa is almost must win <laughs> if they're going to yep. get, get to go far. <laughs> Think about how they've kicked, they've tailed off here. York have trailed in, fa- in five straight games now. Prior to that, the five prior, they never trailed at all. They had 29 points from 20 and looked set to get in. And now just three points from their last four means 32 from 24. Are we seeing, Benedict, a tired team? You mentioned Max Ferrari. He's played almost a lot of minutes. Are they, are they struggling now to break teams down in the final third? Petrasso looks fatigued. Is that a fair assessment, or is it just something in isolation that's not going well for them at the moment? Um, maybe, maybe a little bit of both. I think uh, it is fair to say they look pretty tired, but at the same time, every, every team's played as many games at this point in the season, right? Like It's, it's a team that every, every team's issue, uh, sorry, an issue that every team is dealing with, and uh, but you said that there's some players on this or team who've played almost every minute of some games like DD Nabzi as well. 
Uh, it's almost maybe a good thing for him to get a couple of games off, even though he won't want it and York won't want it. He's played like almost every minute of every game. So uh, I, I do think fatigue is definitely a factor as this kind of cold streak, I guess, keeps going. I think Abzi would admit he's not quite reached the form um, that he has shown over the last few weeks as well. Um, Marty, what do you think of this team, York? Are they, I mean, only one point back. It's not doomsday by, by any stretch, but um, they better start turning around pretty quickly if they're going to make that final four here. Well, just in that second half, how many chances they created, and you know, you're just thinking they're like they're they're not going to score them. Like they did, they didn't really generate too many chances that were considered to be clear cut. But as you already kind of touched on, Christian, like they just keep going behind in games, yeah. and they don't have that. They don't have that fire. They don't have that. So maybe it is fatigue. I don't know, but they just don't have that thing that's going to push them over the edge. Sadly. It was a wide open game. That you mentioned yeah. it. It's oh, yeah. just stretched yeah. for fun. Um, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see on them. What about Edmonton here? I mean, Ongaro is fun, no? I mean, this was a great goal, a brilliant ball by Shamit Shom uh, through the middle to just open up the York defense. Emily, you've done some Edmonton stuff for us as well here. This is a team that bounced back after what was not, quite frankly, a humiliating victory at home, a victory by Ottawa at home 4-3 midweek. Uh, to come out and deliver this kind of performance with Warchevsky, Ongaro on the pitch, some of their best players, I suppose, is, is needed here for Alan Koch's men near the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. I think you summarized it pretty well there, Christian. They just bounced back from that interesting scoreline, we'll call it, uh, the match previously. But, you know, um, Ongaro, the type of player that he is in the box, outside of the box, wherever it may be, you'd think that opposition teams would be really really focused on limiting his impact but it's just time after time again he finds a way to put the ball in the net it's it's kind of miraculous but you know what that's that's what the best strikers can do and you know he did enough for Edmonton unfortunately they conceded afterwards but I think his form if they can keep it going and keep Ongaro you know finding the back of the net for them who knows what kind of upsets or how many points they can steal off of other CPL teams in the near future the York defense cast no shadow over Ongaro, no doubt about that. Um, Charlie, I think it was my favorite uh, goal he scored this season. Ongaro. Oh yeah, I think you? it's. Oh, it, so it was it was an awesome goal. It was yeah. really cool, and I think the thing that I I said at the time was it's nice to see Shamit Shom having that that link up yeah, finally because I think it has been a little bit of a frustrating season for him because he's a player with quite a high pedigree that a lot was expected of and. For whatever reason, he maybe hasn't been as comfortable just yet. He's obviously still with adjusting to this team, but definitely you know, maybe hasn't. Definitely maybe, yeah. Uh, that that one sounds <laughs> a little. Odd. We've done better. We've done better. But uh, this was a fantastic goal. It was awesome. I think oh, I uh, loved it. The I thing about it. the thing about Easton Ongaro that is particularly impressive. And part of the reason that defenders just can't seem to track him for whatever reason is his movement off the ball is so good. Mm-hmm. He's really, really good at, you know, for a, for a guy that's, you know, six foot seven, six foot eight, he uh, get, manages to get lost sometimes and in a good way in terms of he's able to, to make defenders lose track of him. And then he pops up when he's making a run in behind for the through ball and the ball's in the back of the net immediately. So it, he's he's a fun player to watch. 
So good. So I, I like good. to give shout outs to those who basically I call him the 12th man of the team of the week. Easton Longaro, Ollie Platt and I went back and forth tonight. We just couldn't get him in the team. Uh, but shout out to <laughs> really? him anyway. Yeah, I couldn't get him in, mate. You, you know, yeah. Send your uh, send your aggression replies to at Platt Ollie at Christian Jack <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, Benedict, let me finish on this game with you, your correspondent. What was the overall thoughts after the match from the Edmonton side? Alan Koch obviously is pretty blunt and I, I, we love him for that. They've been very transparent. What was his overall observations of this one point yeah after the last game he spoke about uh after taking a couple steps forward he thought the last game against Ottawa was a step back uh i I think it's fair to say this game was a step forward and i think he sort of agreed with that uh he said he is blunt he he said we are well we will not make the playoffs so they weren't worried about points uh and they they won't make the playoffs now that's confirmed but um they he, he sort of said like the main thing for them all season has been progression and getting better and getting better for next season and and this was another step in the right direction getting a, a big point away to york yeah, I mean, half the world away from playoffs. Sorry. I, I, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, it's all part of the master plan. Yeah, it's, it's true, and he has got a master plan, which is what they needed at this team. Um, anyway, keep your oasis coming in. I'm gonna go to Emily now for the next game, and it has to be said, Emily Wilson has done. I don't know how many CPR games now for us. Um, but every two. time she does a game, is it just two? Every just time you do two, a game, yeah. they're brilliant games. That I was mm-hmm. like, here we go again. It's another Emily game. <laughs> this game on Saturday was an absolute barn burner. Play, uh, come on match of the week. I was in one shot soccer studio for it. It ended Pacific FC 3, Valor FC 2. We're going to get into why it only ended up buying a one-goal lead in the second, uh, but it did propel Pacific FC back to the top of the table. First of all, Emily, your overall impressions of what was a five-goal thriller, a fun one. Yeah, it's kind of funny that you touched on that, actually, because I remember sitting in front of my screen thinking the exact same thing, uh, two for two in terms of the thrillers. <laughs> so, um, yeah, definitely a very, very eventful day for both teams, honestly, and even for neutral fans, if they're watching as well. This was one that you didn't want to miss, and it was the come on match of the week for a reason, and it really lived up to it. Mm. So, you know, uh, Pacific, they've been away from home a lot. They came back to Starlight Stadium and... Pa said before the match, he was like, listen, I really, really, really want the fans to bring it another level. And from what I saw through the one soccer feed, they did. Uh, That place was just full of purple. So you know what? They're pumped up. They came back home and they put on a show. Uh, I I know we're going to get into it in a little bit, but Valor came back and it was a little nervy towards the end of the match. But yeah, it was definitely a very, very entertaining 90 minutes there. And obviously, you've been watching this league before we brought you on, but you're watching these games more closer than ever now, and we appreciate that. Is there a player that you that has caught your eye in this game that you thought was better than you than you'd imagined, and watching him closer than ever? Because there's a lot of good players on that pitch on on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll be honest; I had a tough time picking my uh, player of the game for the match. We analysis. did too, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, okay, what are we going to do here? Um, I ended up going with Campbell just because the brace in the end helped them win three two. But for a I'm going to say majority of the game, I had uh, Josh Hurd's name down. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of going back and forth. I think that opening goal, I could have watched that on replay for hours. I won't lie there. That was a wonderful strike from him. Um, and even just besides the goal, he was a threat the entire, I think it was 75 minutes that he played, I believe, or roughly around there. But uh, yeah, he was just a threat for the hosts. And you know, he always found a way to help them stretch out onto the wing. And for some reason, that's just exactly what was working for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Valor kind of couldn't pick up on how the game was flowing for a little bit in the first half, um, which led to Pacific having a lead in the first half. But yeah, I think Hurd was terrific. Campbell was terrific. 
um, that was definitely a difficult one to pick who was player of the game for me. Yeah, we had the same arguments in our studio as well. I had no idea where you're going, but like the brilliant storytelling that you are, it was absolutely perfect because it segues to my next question. These guys are on the pitch together. You got a fearsome front three who I thought, I mean, Diaz was terrific as well, by the way. All three make the come, make the, the Gatorade team of the week, by the way. That's what that's why Angaro's not oh, in. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, because the trio was marvelous all the, the entire yeah. game. And on comes Marco Bustos as well. <laughs> uh, just yeah. in time Who's for that? a run at the playoffs. Just in time for some <laughs> maybe potentially thinking that he can still win MVP and certainly in time for that big game against Toronto FC that you know that he's circled, as I said, on the air in big purple pen that he's going, I want to play in that game. Here come four players uh, for three spots or can you play all four together? That's a question that I wanted to throw out to you guys. I believe they've done it once, and I think I was at the game in Calgary this year. Ironically, with all four of them on the pitch together, it ended nil-nil in that yes, moment because they played Diaz and Campbell through the middle with Bustos and Wide on one side and obviously on the other side with Hurd, uh, and then two midfielders. Probably not going to do that in a playoff game, though, Charlie. No, I don't think so. I don't think that would really work. I mean, you could do kind of like a 4-4-2 with... Taron Campbell coming in closer to the middle with, with Diaz, but I think that he's really started to flourish as a winger. So I don't, it's really hard because all four of these attacking players absolutely deserve to be on the pitch for this team. Mm. Um, you know, I, I maybe wonder if, if Josh Hurd could play as a 10 mm. in behind Diaz or well, something like that. But it sweet. doesn't matter how you throw Which... him on the pitch, you're still going to take off a midfielder. And I don't think yeah. Pamadou Kyle is going to do that, is he? Probably not, and I mean, you've got Ollie Bassett in there as well. If he's yeah. if he's fit, is you're spoiled for choice, and Blasco, Blasco, Blasco as well. Oh, by the way, in midfield, and, you can have Young, Hajabrapor, Baldissimo, Dixon, Aparicio, like, Aparicio, Aparicio. Aparicio. Uh, you know, and Bassett. yeah, it's you're like, spoiled for choice. This is a difficult, a difficult. I I genuinely have no clue who would start in in, for example, the TFC games coming up pretty soon. Mm. I. I'm not. I think you have to play Josh Hurd based on how he played against the Whitecaps. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and probably Bustos is fit. It's one of Campbell and Diaz, isn't it? Campbell. Yeah, I think it has to be because Bustos has to start if he's able to. Yeah, I agree. He's 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 another level. This is tough. The man who picked Pacific from the start, Marty Thompson. Were you happy with the performance? <laughs> uh, yeah, I am. Josh Hurd is a real shaker. Or, sorry, uh, difference maker. Uh, that, that was my attempt. I'm trying to, I'm trying to squeeze one in. Phil, um, okay. is fat. Phil DeSantos has Josh Hurd in his nightmares, by the way. We oh, so yeah. It, oh, which yeah. is just incredible. Yeah, I know you touched on the broadcast. <laughs> but yeah, uh, just again, like just game of his life again against the Whitecaps then coming out again here uh, on the weekend. I... Someone asked me this week who I thought was going to host the finals. And I said, my brain says forge, but my heart mm. says Pacific. I really I like want that. Pacific to do this. I really, I really think they can. And I think they're going to close it out, but ugh, I don't know. We'll talk about forge in a bit. Yeah. We'll get to forge in a second. Cause I know you want to talk about that. And that was your game. Uh, but how in the world did they allow Valor to get back in this game? And is there any concern, yeah. Emily, that Pacific only won by a goal because they do continue to let goals in. And I think if you're Parmadou Car, you'd be very disappointed in the manner that you let them get back in. Akio with the goal in the second half. Okay, Valor came back into it. But that first half goal came out of nothing. They gave the ball away, didn't they? And then, and then led to the corner. So your thoughts on keeping Valor around, I suppose. 
You know what, I'm kind of split here. I'm not entirely sure where my stance lies. Um, I think Pacific, just because of their attack in the first half, they could have held a very, very comfortable lead going into the second. But uh, something I spoke to Coach Dos Santos about afterwards was how did Valor kind of feel, you know, at halftime? What were they going to adjust and what were they going to change? And he told me, he said, uh, as a coach, I'm paraphrasing here, but he was like, as a coach, you don't necessarily make changes right away. You wait until halftime, approach it in the locker room and just kind of talk to your players. And then coming out, you hope that they can implement the changes that you need for the second half. And Valor did exactly that. Um, I think if both halves of the match were the way they went in the second half, I think it would have been a nervy contest. Um, so for Coach Ka's side, I'll say, they could have put many, many goals in the back of the net and been way more comfortable coming out into the second. But it's not to say that they played bad in the second half. Uh, I think Pacific uh, just kind of, they held their own. Valor, they did get back into it. It was 3-2 at one point, a little nervy at the end, like we touched on earlier. But it's just because they kind of, they just stepped up and they knew what was wrong. They knew how to fix it. So... Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of split here. No, I, I like that. I think that's probably the right answer, to be honest, Emily. I think there's a bit of both in there. You know, I think the Pacific yeah. contributed to their own downfall a, a little bit, but to say that Valor just didn't play a part, I think there's, is is irrelevant. As it isn't right, I think. I think there is relevancy to it. Um, they stuck around, as you said, um, or as we say tonight. Uh, maybe Phil DeSantis told them to don't go away. There you go. We'll throw that one in as well. That's uh, a good Val one. Yes. <laughs> can Valor get in the playoffs? That's another question for me. They're five points back, four to go. Ottawa away. Halifax at home, Cavalry away, Edmonton away. That is three away games out of four. They have not won an away game all season. They're probably going to have to win at least three. Uh, well, two out of the three and then another one at home to get in. Looking very unlikely, Benedict. Yeah, I think so. I think also with uh, Halifax and, and York, the way, they're, or the way they are playing slash can play, uh, I, don't, I don't see them dropping enough points for Valor to, to leapfrog both of them. Uh, but I guess they obviously still have a chance. Anything can happen, of course, but uh, I just don't see both things happening at the same time. What I did like, and I said this on the broadcast as well, is Phil DeSantis not hiding behind that, still saying there's a chance, keeping his players to believe. He could easily have said, I'm a new coach. doesn't look like we're going to get in. Five points back with four to play. We're going to build for next season. But he still believes um, that he can do that. But what a, ma what a massive game that is on Wednesday night in Ottawa. They, that is simply a must-win for them. they got to go there and knock out uh, the, the team who's already eliminated. Um, your thoughts on Valor, Charlie, before we move on to the last game of the weekend? Yeah, obviously they're they're adjusting a little bit now, I think, because maybe the dust is starting to settle a little bit after the coaching change and they have started to look a little better. Um, obviously, they, they had that big win last week, I think it was, the first yep. one under, under Dos Santos where they looked really good. Um, Moses Dyer has been has been amazing for them since since Phil Dos Santos took over. Uh, and, and yeah, I think that's pretty much all it is. He just wants to see them continue to to just to try to stay in the fight, you know, even if, if you go down like that to Pacific, then it in some senses would be easy to be like, okay, well, well, we're, we're on the road to Pacific. We're probably not going to win this game. And they, they didn't, uh, they didn't acquiesce. They, yes. well <laughs> they done. stayed, they stayed in the fight and that's kind of going to be the theme for the next couple of weeks until that Marty is just losing theme? his mind. There's going to be a theme every <laughs> week. No, <laughs> um, no, this is going to be a, a theme for for Valor that they are just going to 
they, they all they can do is win the games in front of them until they're told that they're mathematically eliminated. And that was one of the first things that Phil DeSantos said when he took over as coach, because he knew that it was going to be difficult for them to get in there. But like their their mindset is going to be that they absolutely cannot think about it any other way than if we're still in the fight, then we are going to try and win every game. And, you know, that's all you can ask for. Before I go to Marty and we go to Hamilton, uh, Emily, final word on this, and I'd be remiss not to bring it up because you did mention it a little bit. Bustos back. Now, it's been eight weeks for him. He got on the pitch for about 15 minutes. You quite rightly used it as one of your observations. Overall, what was your thoughts of him and how important is this for this team to get a player like this? Because we can all, you know, we can all look over and we've all said about how fantastic the front three was, but he is a player that they don't have and the things he can do and, they, and they're going to need him if they want to win championships. Oh, absolutely. It's a massive boost. Um, I know in the post-match presser there, I think Coach Ka used four or five different synonyms um, for massive, huge, great, uh, just to kind of describe what Bustos' return to the team means for the club. So, you know, it's uh, I think he had a good cameo uh, from the roughly 15 minutes that he played there. He wasn't afraid to run against the Valor defenders. He was uh, eager to get the ball at his feet, uh, had a couple of shots. I believe he had two with one on target, if I'm remembering correctly. So, um Cameo after that long out, you know, the end of August, that's a long time. We're in almost late October. So uh, I think it was very promising uh, as a way that I'm going to describe it. Huge for the end of the season, huge for Canadian championship, (laughs) playoff push, all of the above. It's going to be really, really big for Pacific fans, for the club and for him just as a player as well. You know, coming back from an injury is tough, but uh, yeah, very promising cameo and it's massive, huge, great. Yeah, get them all out there. Yeah. All of them. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> Keep the dream alive. There you go. Keep the dream alive for, for the big game against TFC. And that's, is, that is a dream for him. That's a dream. Is that an Oasis game. song? It is... keeps, keeps the white okay. cap. He, he missed the white caps. He, and he watches everybody. He's watched Morelli score all these goals. And he didn't get MVP before. And let's be honest, this is a man on a mission right here. That is not an Oasis song. That's just a fact. No. He's a man on a mission. <laughs> Marty, let's go to you. The last game of the weekend and um, maybe probably one of the biggest storylines, no question about it. Forge beat Ottawa because they always do. By the way, that's 12-0 uh, for a combined score in five games this season between the two teams. Yeah, that's right. 12-0. Uh, that's outrageous. Um, and quite frankly, the first half was probably one of the dullest games of the half I've seen this season. Um, <laughs> hopefully you stayed awake there, mate. But the second half was well worth it because they were brilliant. Tim Hortons coffee in the in the press box and Tim Hortons field really helped me through that, that one. Um, it, it really was, you know, it, it was interesting. Obviously, Ottawa, we've talked about a little bit on this uh, on the show. And you've been reading if you've been reading the website, you know that. Ottawa's been playing like, you know, kind of like a 5-4-1 sort of system. And it obviously worked against Edmonton. They did it again in Hamilton. And like you sort of touched on there, the first half, it's like, okay, how long can they last? And the long answer is about an hour when Omar Brown finally got his breakthrough. He was brilliant today, by the way, um, through just some nice tactical work from from Bobby Smirniotis. It really was just Forge at the end of the day. Like, you saw the lineup that they played. It was, you know, all the stars were out, even though they've got this massive game in CONCACAF League in midweek, which we'll get to, like Mobabuli, Tristan Borges. Obviously, Brownie was there, uh, and Pasillas, and they just went full throttle, and they eventually got their breakthrough. Sorry, I just got massively distracted. Jock Peterson just tied it up two two in the Dodgers Braves game. I know people listen to play, but that's just, that's just an enormous story for me right here. I was wondering. I yeah. felt bad that we're pulling you away from the Braves. <laughs> we, we have we have to talk tonight, Charlie. Yeah. 
Yeah, there yes. Is. There we go. There, there we go. go. Um, <laughs> I want to talk tonight about Elamani Cisse. Yeah. Because you always this player do. <laughs> is a player that I always want to talk about. Can anybody start giving him any more love apart from me? Is this player an MVP candidate? My when you go watch a player live, which is what you did, yeah. and you know, this is Campiel at the matches. We go live. This is like what we do as, as people. We go to the games when we can. Marty, your thoughts on watching a player like that live compared to what you see on a TV screen? Uh tireless doesn't begin to describe how he is on the field. And I think that goal that he scores, obviously the, the finish was brilliant, but how he got up there and got in behind, which was exactly what Bobby Smirnionis wanted. And, you know, you're not the only one Christian, because after the game, you know, I, I think Bobby was asked and, and Johnny Grant as well, were asked about CSA scoring and they both just put huge smiles on their faces. Cause we like, we love to see him score because yes. it means, because it yeah. means like, you know, we know how good he is. Like he makes so much, like, I mean, talk about a player like Kyle Becker. He makes Kyle Becker so much better. He makes mobile bullies so much better just by the player he is. So of course they're going to be happy to see him score. He's he you're not the only one. You're he also, one. I actually, he scored the goal, but I actually think his presence on the first goal was way better. Like what he did yes. in that first, goal how he turned ben mckendry right. and just drove forward and got omar brownie who i want to ask you about next into that play was absolutely marvelous uh so anyway yeah forge we could basically talk about 15 or 16 impact players every single week with these guys let's throw another yeah. one in that we haven't given any love on this podcast yet because he hasn't really been playing many minutes in the canadian premier league omar brownie who yeah. gets a, a, his first start in the premier league and what a finish that was it was actually quite similar to what we saw Terran campbell score goals with later in the day Yes, yeah, it was it was a it was a nice run. They're waiting for Ottawa to open up on the wings. That was the game plan. And Vasham Newfield was was overcommitted, just got in behind. And yeah, it was it was a lovely finish. But that just only begins to talk about what he was able to do in that game. Because you know, however dull the first half was, he was and on that right side was creating so much, just sort of coming around on the outside, playing off Johnny Grant, who was in that back through, was coming up and pushing and, and allowing him to get really tight to the byline. And he was creating a lot and he deserves a lot of credit because again, here's another player just like Pacific that's coming into an attacking group that you're like, oh yeah, right. He has to play. Great. Yeah. How so, do we like, think we're going to get to the CONCACAF game in a second before we do yeah. that? How do we think Forge are going to handle Halifax away on Saturday after going to Costa Rica? Is that going to be a difficult <laughs> one for them or what? Well, I mean, Bobby just likes to play his best at every turn. Like I was, I was joking with, with, with Charlie, Benedict and Emily earlier, but like I kind of baited him a bit in the in the pre-match to Ottawa because you know on paper here's the best team in the league going up against the worst team in the league. I was like, are you going to rest any guys? Yeah. And he never, and that's never been Forge's mo. They play, and yeah. that's I mean that's obviously what they did on Saturday. And as he touched on, which is super important, I think going talking about Halifax's. His quote is momentum. We've learned momentum is so valuable to this team. Mm. They'd rather have momentum than tired legs. So. Shout out to Bobby Smirniotis for breaking a tie at BMO Field last Wednesday night at the halftime show. <laughs> Seconds before he came on, Oliver Platt and I were disputing the, the uh, penalty decision to Stefan Astakio in the first half against Panama. Oli yeah. Platt was adamant that it was a penalty. I love Oli, every credit. Uh, but Bobby Smirniotis went with me, said, no, not a penalty. No. So uh, thanks, yeah, Bobby. It wasn't valid. Yeah, see, there you go. Hey, the good thing is, it didn't well. matter. The thing is, it did not matter. <laughs> hey, hey, maybe enough know. of this uh, Forge stuff. Let's get to Canada. No, no, we've got to give Forge some more love. This week, Charlie, you're going to be all over this as you often are. It is CONCACAF back, CONCACAF. baby. Uh, they go love to it. Costa Rica. And um, 
hey, by the way, they don't even need to win the tie. There's still a, ch- a real legitimate chance they can make the Champions yeah. League. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're not even going to get into all the algorithms right now. Just check Charlie's preview out for this week. He'll explain everything for you on the Canadian Premier League website. Uh, but this is an exciting time. And again, people, by the way, are starting to talk of Forge being a legitimate contender to win this trophy, Charlie. Yeah, absolutely they are. Um, I mean, I not knowing very much about the other teams in the competition, uh, every cares? time you see Forge play in this competition, you're like, well, they why why can't they? Why can't they? Because they're they're rarely outmatched. They're rarely, you know, out. They're never outworked in this competition. That's absolutely for certain. Um, and they want that desperately. If even if Forge if Forge just you know get through this tie, if they just get to the Champions League. That's another another you know a check mark and who was the first CPL team to do this and it's, it's them massive. and they want to check off as many of those boxes as possible, right? And if if Forge is the first CPL team to to win a trophy outside of of the domestic league, you know they they live forever. That's that's unbelievable. Love it. Hey um, Charlie, little by little, just check the boxes. Everything. Yeah, exactly. Oh, this yeah. is this. See, is, that, we're that deep was, in the catalog now. <laughs> that one was particularly cruel because it seemed like you were going to avoid it to the very end, and then you just, yeah, yeah, you kind of get yeah. I, no, I was right. I was ready for that one, but no, Cockacaf, we love it. It's love it. so much fun. <laughs> I can't wait. On. <laughs> and uh, Atletico Ottawa eliminated. Uh, let's slide away from the Canadian Premier League That's, and talk a little bit okay. about Canada. That's going to be my next one <laughs> because this is a big week for Canada. As we were, by the way, I watched Alfonso Davies. Just want to hope he's okay. But if yeah, anyone yeah. watched yeah. that first forty-five minutes of Bayern Munich game today, oh my God, yeah. uh, I don't think I've, uh, Emily's got her hand up. Emily, have yeah. you ever seen more of an, an unbelievable game of football? And like, if that wasn't like the perfect game of football from a team, you know, coaches always talk about coaching the perfect game. That was the perfect half incredible no yeah uh, i was stunned um i was covering it for another publication this morning actually so i was speaking with my editor and i was like hey by the way they're up four nil by the way they're up five nil it's 34 (laughs) minutes into the game um but uh yeah just a massive performance from bayern but i mean it's bayern so uh i know leverkusen were said to be their toughest competitors this match was supposed to be a big one that was the anticipation but they just blew past you know, them. You know what the weirdest part of it, or maybe the most surreal part of that game was for me this morning, was just seeing Alfonso Davies make that assist to Lewandowski yeah. and then seeing them celebrate together. And I'm like, oh, that dude was at BMO Field last week. Yeah. Not even. Yeah. Like a few yeah, days ago. Yeah. Like we just we just saw him, and now he's over there hugging Robert Lewandowski. That and... dude was hugging my son after the game, wishing him happy birthday. That's how lucky we were, by the way, after the game. Another <laughs> Amazing. Story right. another time for that, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's just incredible. What a night that was. We need to reflect pretty quickly, and then we'll look forward because yeah. the Canadian women's team are back in Canada. Mm-hmm. Charlie, you covered it. We're all over it. Benedict, you got your Canadian flag up. What did that win mean to you for Canada over Panama? Me? I don't know. Sorry. Go oh, ahead. Benedict. Oh, yeah, it was, it was just uh, a, a game where you think – this team is legit. Like uh, Alan Koch, we asked him about, or Charlie asked him this week about that, and he had a lot of praise for that. He he guaranteed Canada's going to qualify for the World Cup. Wow. Uh, Jimmy Brennan strongly Stamp. suggested it as well, and and uh, I think I think I agree with them as well. I think that, that was a game where Canada looked like a very legitimate team in Concacaf. They they put up with the dark arts as, as your video on Twitter uh, showed us, and and <laughs> oh, uh, all, all signs point to them making continued progress. Yeah, that video got ridiculous numbers. That's so good. Yeah, it, did. The, it was the, it was the reverse angle. It was so important to see Doniel with that nice lean. 
Oh yeah. And what happened afterwards was that like Daniel Henry just became a cult hero. Every time he came down to warm up, <laughs> all the fans were just loving Daniel. Like he didn't yeah. play a minute in the match. I think they were just they you know happily hand in man of the match. It was just an incredible <laughs> heroic performance uh, from Daniel Henry. Uh, Charlie, you covered it, and I know you wrote really well about it. But as a, a guy away from the journalistic mo- approach a little bit, what did it mean to you? It was very special. I don't think there's ever been a night like that for the national team at BMO Field. Now, there have been some special nights at BMO Field with with like Toronto FC and and so on and so forth, but the national team has never quite had that. It was packed. It was absolutely rocking and, and the crowd really had a sense of what the stakes were. Um, it, it was even bigger than the Honduras and the El Salvador game the last window because it was double the capacity. It was loud as heck, even from up in the press box. And, you know, there was an unbelievable show. I I have so many friends who aren't really soccer fans. I've said this before at other times at the national team, but I have so many friends that aren't soccer fans at all that are asking me about that Alfonso Davies goal. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I, rightfully so, because that is a clip that's gone completely viral because it's one of the most absurd things I've ever seen. And I... I, I, Isn't it great to be asked <laughs> by it, though? Like, I'm getting oh, yeah, all those messages yeah. from people oh, yeah. who don't even follow it. Isn't it great? It's just yeah. amazing. No? You know, the, a, a press box at a sporting event is generally a bit of a, a quieter place. Mm. Um, there's people are very people awful. are very professional and and sometimes a little a little a little wooden sometimes. But Alfonso Davies made that touch and then put it in the net. And yeah, it was not a professional sound <laughs> across the, across the board. <laughs> there were a lot of a lot of just oh my god, yeah. did that just happen? And it was it was just a, a really magical night. Yeah, my, my buddy's been following Canada soccer for 30 plus years and immediately <laughs> and immediately texted me and said, greatest goal ever scored by a Canadian. That's oh, yeah. What he said. Probably, uh, yeah. You know, yep. now, and, and obviously, we know, we've got great goals in the women's game as well, but like that was what he uh, And he was in the stands at the time. Emily, what did you think of it all? I, I really wish I could have went down to the game. I'll be honest. I had a scheduling conflict. I never call in sick to work, but I contemplated. I was like, oh, this is <laughs> going to be a big one. I can feel it. But uh, no, it, it, that was just incredible. I think, uh, I'll be honest, I was a little nervous when they conceded early on. Um, but at the same time, I wasn't overly concerned. Um, I think it was like five minutes in is when they conceded, yeah. I believe. So they had plenty of time to try and hit back. And it was a full strength squad and a packed BMO field, like Charlie's already mentioned. And it's just a massive, massive moment. Um, I'll touch on that goal. Yes, that goal is what I'm going to call it from now on. Um, so I think the only player I've ever seen do that before was Kareem Benzema in the Champions League. I'm not sure if anybody knows what goal I'm talking about. I do, yeah. But yeah, um, I, so. I forget who he was playing, but it looked as though the ball was out, about to go out and he yeah. just somehow danced around and kept it in. And I was like, this, this is a moment. This is a really, really big moment. And besides getting a ball off the defender, the finish from Davies as well, mm-hmm. because froze know, the goalkeeper completely. Yeah, It was just like, okay, you did all the work, but is he going to be able to pull it off? But, you know, the, the guy trains with Lewandowski for a reason, and it, uh, his finishing skills really showed there. Incredible performance all around. Uh, Davies' goal was great. David Buchanan as well. So I just – it was – a moment, a big, big watershed moment. Alfonso Davies, rock and roll star. Right yes. There, right there. Marty, you're all over these clips for us. You're our, bas- you're our big editor on this. And I know you've got professional head on, but when you're copying these clips and you're listening to Herman and Davies talk after the game, you got to have a smile on your face, no? 
Yeah, sorry, I'm just gonna headache probably so waste of references. What are we talking about? Uh yeah, I mean this <laughs> like it, especially after the game and at that goal specifically, the, the first thing that crossed my mind was that this the men's program and the men's game in this country, this maybe sound a bit hyperbolic, but like we'll never be the same after a goal like that scored. Right. Because we're already talking about the amount of people that are like starting to sort of get into this run, but that goal and just like the power of social media in this modern time, the way it's shared. Like now way more people know about this Canadian program. Like I'm seeing countless people that I know, again, asking and, and posting and, and and seeing this place in, in the virtual space. And I'm just thinking about that, that outreach has never quite happened for this men's program. And I just keep thinking, especially after talking to John and, and Alfonso after the game, it's again, like this is, this is a watershed moment that we're not really going to know the impact of uh, until much later on. That goal was a gift to Canadian yes. soccer because yeah. people who know how good Alfonso Davies is, they watch every week the kind of performances he does in Germany and craved those moments in a Canada shirt. Yeah, and yeah. that moment in front of Canadians, 26,000 people at BMO Field in an enormous, monumental match, one of the biggest this program has ever had, could not have been more perfect and could it's, not have happened at a more perfect time. It's your best player coming through when you need him most. Yeah. And it's, exactly. it's as simple as that is. Yeah. Just amazing. Great stuff. Uh, let's turn our attention to the women's. They are back in Canada uh, for a celebration tour that goes to Ottawa. Benedict, you're on your way there. Uh, you, you're going to go as a fan and do a feature for us. I think I'm going to be in the press box as well in Ottawa this weekend. Uh, this is going to be exciting. This is what they deserve and what they've needed for a long time. Emily, I think you're good to cover this for us as well. I'm excited for that. This is, this is you know, uh, for me, I'm really excited because I want, you know, I know it's already happened, so they're not going to win a gold medal, but it almost feels like more than a coming home party. It feels like an mm -hmm. opportunity, much like Davies did for their fans, for some of these Canadians to showcase their skills in front of a Canadian audience. Emily. Oh, sorry. You guys cut out there. Well, that's okay. I was just saying how it's a showcase now for the for the for their team again to show to the Canadian audience what they can do. Much like we were talking with Alfonso, they've won the gold medal, but now they can come over and show their own abilities in front of the Canadian fans. Oh, absolutely. Um, actually, Benedict and I were chatting about this earlier this week uh, for a mini podcast series, and you know, Tokyo is a very very far place, and it's been a long time no. since the Canadian women's national team has played on home turf and they're kicking off this tour. It's in the nation's capital. They're going to go East. And then eventually as Canada soccer said, they're going to head West. Uh, it's just a matter of time with scheduling and everything. But I mean, the players, each and every single one of them, they just deserve this moment to showcase to their fans what they can do and just remind the fans of what they actually did. Um, it's great to see all the members from the gold medal winning team be able to play. Uh, obviously, they're all across the world. Scheduling makes that difficult. Uh, COVID requirements, too, that would also make it difficult. But, you know, they're all coming back. It's going to be great. I wish I could go to Ottawa. I'm very jealous of the both of you. But uh, it's going to be exciting. And, yeah, they just deserve this moment for sure. Benedict, what, what's got your juices flowing ahead in there? Yeah, how about this? Let's have an Oasis reference. Uh, we have another Drake reference. And uh, hold on, we're going home. Canada's been home since, <laughs> since uh, I think May 2019, I believe, since last time Canada the women's team played at home. So there you go. Uh, it's, it's gonna be a special atmosphere, I think. And and these, these people are, are heroes now. We spoke, or Marty mentioned how that goal is gonna change the history of the men's program. I think this gold medal is gonna do incredible things for the for the women's program as well, of course. And uh, to be able to celebrate that in, in front of the home fans in the nation's capital, as Emily mentioned, is gonna be a very special thing. 
what a time to be alive, folks. Canada soccer, yeah. What a time, Marty. Yeah. yeah, just this is. You guys are all young, and you gave you guys even remember times it was terrible. Well, that's oh, yeah. it, right? It's like, yeah, and and it's so much sweeter with that context. It's so much sweeter after all of that time, and we're young still, like you said. Yeah. That's yeah. still sweeter. Jolly, final word for you before. Do you we know what I mean? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. M- Marty's going to put a count on this. He's going to have a lot of fun here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sounds good. Oh, man. yeah we're gonna annoy a lot of people that's okay but yeah it's just on the women i think that this homecoming tour is just exactly what you need because you win that gold medal in tokyo as emily said that's far away you need to capitalize on that momentum right you need to bring this team home and show it to all of these people that can come out you know young people young players girls that want to play soccer and now have these idols to look up to you want them to see them in person and i think that's going to be really special yeah, it's going to be great. No doubt about it. And uh, yeah, whoever scores the goal, she's electric. No question about that. Yes. Uh, all right. I think I'm done. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll put a cap here. So who, if people listening to this, if they want to go back and count these, just tweet them at me. Just tweet them okay. at me. And then that we'll means that you don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> of course he doesn't. Not really. Not really. That basically means, Mike, Mike, to be fair, Mike does enough. He does, he, he does way more than enough yeah. uh, for us. All right, guys. Uh, thanks so much for spending the time with us on a Sunday night. I'm going to go watch the Braves probably rip, rip my heart on losing the late innings to the Dodgers, but maybe we'll make it 2-0. Oh. Hey, when you wake up tomorrow, you'll know. So mm-hmm. everybody else will need it. Uh, but you guys, uh, great job as usual. Go to campl.ca. You can watch and listen to all these guys' coverage of these games every week. Uh, big games in the CPL this week. I should read them out, as I mentioned to them earlier. Uh, Forge, go to Costa Rica. Wednesday at 6 o'clock Eastern. Watch all these games live on One Soccer. Wednesday at 7, Ottawa against Valor. What a game that is. It continues on Thursday. Cavalry Pacific. Wow. Uh, big clash for them in the playoffs. And on yep. Saturday, Halifax Wanderers against Forge in, on Saturday afternoon. And on Sunday afternoon at 2, Ottawa take on York. And boy, oh boy, Jim Brennan's team will need three points from that one. We are almost at an hour. If you're still with us, with us we cannot thank you enough for being patient with us and for listening to us as usual. Enjoy the matches. Take care of everybody have a good week and we'll speak to you soon